two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And it is a Mackie and Judd production. It is Talking Twins. Zolgad, Jake DePew, as always, on Mondays for a full-length edition of Talking Twins. And at the controls, executive producer extraordinaire Declan Goff. Jake DePew, let's start with this. The COVID shutdown. Do you expect the Twins to, at some point in time, resume or start their series against the A's? What's your best guess about when we'll probably see baseball from the Twins again? I mean, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, you know, the the latest round of tests as of uh, what Sunday night into Monday morning uh, didn't produce any more positives, so that's a good sign. Uh, but you know, I mean, with COVID, especially with these variants, and and Falvey uh, confirmed yesterday that um, this is one of the variants that they're dealing with, and and the va- variants are are more contagious. Uh, so you know, I mean, I would be completely guessing. You know, um, I, I think if they don't have any more positives today uh monday uh that they'll fly to to oakland and, and you know the chances will look better to to get that series in but um you know i think if they have one more positive or, or more than that then i think we're probably looking at an extended shutdown and and then they start getting into more of kind of the territory of what we saw with the the cardinals and the, and the marlins last year so let's hope that doesn't happen yeah, exactly it's it's limited uh, but you know it, it's so hard to predict your thoughts on on how the Twins are, are equipped, especially starting with Rocco, to go about handling this, which is clearly going to, I mean, it's not like they were playing well going into the stoppage, but just as far as the dynamic of, of something that they were fortunate to avoid last year, I don't think that they had a game altered last year in the 60-game pandemic-shortened season because of COVID. Your thoughts on where this team is at, starting with the manager as far as as handling something like this, which is definitely going to cause um, some problems just as far as stops and starts and a stoppage in play now. Yes, I mean, the Twins have had to deal with a lot of stuff that's outside of normal baseball, you know, uh, between everything that's happening in in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities uh, and, and now COVID. Um, you know, they've had to deal with with a ton in, in just, you know, the first two weeks or so of the season. And that includes a bunch of uh, sort of crushing losses in there, too. Um, I, I think personally that, you know, I, I have issues with with some of Rocco's in-game decisions, a lot of them. And we're going to get into that for sure. Uh, but I do think when it comes to, you know, leading a team through something that's, uh, you know, uncharted waters like this, I yep. think he's a, a really good manager for that, actually. Uh, because he's very even keeled, uh, you know, as we've talked about, maybe to a fault at times, but I think for something like this, it's perfect. Uh, he has a really high emotional IQ. He seems to understand people well. Uh, and he's just, he's, he's not a reactionary type of guy. And I think that's exactly the type of person you need in charge, or at least one of the people in charge when you're dealing with something like this. So I, I, I have a lot of confidence in Rocco to handle this aspect, this COVID thing, and whatever happens in Minneapolis in the coming weeks, um, I think he'll handle that well. Uh, I, I, you know, he's young. I mean, that's the whole reason they they hired him, right? Because he mm-hmm. he connects well with millennials and Gen Z. Um, you know, and so I I think I think that is true. Um, and, and so I do have confidence that that he'll lead them through this well. But like the amount of crap that they've had to deal with, again, some of it's self inflicted in terms of these bullpen meltdowns and and things like that. But like 
they've had to go through a lot. It's it's kind of a Shakespearean tragedy, honestly. The, the first two and a half weeks of this twin season, um, it, it's it's a tough way to start the year. You know, the fact that they're six and eight. I, I mean, that's not terrible. You know, there's still obviously tons of baseball left to be played, right. uh, but this is not gone according to plan in any way. Jake, I feel like that in year three now that this is going to be the true test of of what we called the Zen of Rocco. Like Rocco's had this very Zen like approach, right? And he's, he's he to your point, it's very smart. Um, I feel like year one it worked perfectly. Cruz came in and was the guy and and helped. Uh, I felt like Baldelli in that first year pushed all of the correct buttons. Things went about as smooth as I think that a baseball team can hope. Okay. Year two, much tougher, but I still felt it worked. Year three, to your point, we're off to a weird start here. And to me, this is the year where it's really going to be tested. Like, does this work? Do guys buy in? Can he keep the calm? Like, there's a lot of factors now, some uh, that are certainly within Baldelli's control and some that aren't. But there's a lot of factors now that I think are going to make this a trying year. There's Already. no question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at what's happened again in two and a half weeks. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think this is the biggest test. You know, we probably thought that last year would be the biggest test for Rocco because of how crazy that season was. But this is proving to be an even bigger one in terms of all these hurdles that they have to, uh, you know, jump over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think his whole Zen thing, it works well over a 162-game season. I think the rest and recovery thing, um, he's really taking that to an extreme, and we'll talk, we'll talk about that. Um, but again, I think, this, I think his approach will work well through this, this COVID period, but will it continue to work well once they're playing? And if they have to make up a lot of games, they're going to be playing a lot of baseball. And that's one of my big questions is, are you still going to try to do this rest and recovery thing when you're playing you know, 24 day yeah. games in 23 days? The answer is yes, gonna... Jake DePew. The answer is yes, he's going to. I know, but at some point, you, 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 these guys have to play. I mean, it, like... And we have to see if Donaldson can actually play, you know, a, a series of of games in a row here. And the same with Buxton. And obviously we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, it, he, they've dealt with a lot. Some of it's been handled well. I think the in-game stuff has not been handled well, um, but it, it this isn't over, you know, and, and I don't want to get too much into this, but there's a lot going on in Minneapolis and there's going to be a lot going on in the next week. We don't even know for sure. I mean, some of those games against Pittsburgh could be delayed either because of, of the trial yeah. uh, or or because of still COVID That's what I'm stuff. saying. There's a lot going yeah. on here. A ton. There's a ton going on. Like, this is not – like, I wish on this podcast we could just talk about baseball. That's what I want to do. That's what we all want to do. But there, these issues are just so glaring. I mean, they're postponing games for for both the, the – you know, the the – uh, the issues in Minneapolis and COVID, like we, we have to talk about it and it's stuff that they have to deal with. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how they come through it, but uh, this is not the way that they wanted. To start. And this, and this comes back to the Zolgadian theory that I have long held. And that's this teams tell you that distractions don't bug them because they're trying to convince themselves and make no mistake. Distractions at some point in time become too much. Like I have that, Biggest thing in sports that drives me nuts is the lie of, oh, man, you know, we just put the distractions, you know, the trial, we put that aside or whatever they say. You know, COVID, we put that aside. BS. At some point in time, distractions 
become a problem. And I don't know where that threshold is. At times I can feel it, but when you are 14 games in, right? When you are 14 games in and you have the amount of things going on, not to mention, not to mention spring training, the death of Mike Bell, which is a big deal. Yeah. When people yep. die, that shakes. I'm, and I'm, I'm serious here. I'm not, that shakes people, especially younger people, because death is not, you know, the norm. Like if you're a baseball player and you're, 25 and your coach dies that's not a oh man that's too bad he was 80 years old that's not the case right so Mm -hmm. i'll go back to that and i will say at some point in time distractions and outside influences no matter how much people try and dismiss them or turn down turn them down and be like no that's not a problem it becomes a problem just yeah we haven't Yeah, we haven't even talked about Mike Bell. I mean, he was, what, 46, I think? And that that all happened very quickly. Um, And he was wet them through, you know, that whole season last year. So, yeah, I'm sure that was weighing on them heading into the season. And and, and so to have to deal with all this other stuff – it's significant. These are, these are big issues. This is not a player testing positive for steroids or, right. you know, somebody getting a DUI. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's not a big deal, but like, these are huge, massive issues that they, that they're forced to deal with. Um, yeah. And that's going to wear on anybody. I, I also wonder, you know, they're so close to reaching the 85% threshold where MLB will relax these COVID restrictions. Dan Hayes from the athletic reported that, that they were at 82%. Um, and so they only need like three or four more people to get vaccinated. I honestly wonder if that's going to create division at some point where these guys are like, we want our families to be able to travel. I talked about that too. That's I think you're right. Yes. Internally. Yes. I think you're right. Because right now, even before, you know, all these positives, they're basically isolated to their hotel rooms on the road. They can't like get up on the plane uh, and and, like play cards and do stuff like that. And they're so close to being able to do that stuff again. um, That I do wonder if there's going to be resentment, towards some players, you know, that, that don't want to get it. And that's holding the, the rest of the team back from being able to live a more normal life. And these you know? guys, and these guys as athletes are brought up as what the team is the most important thing, right? Like they're told that it is for the team. So, so like I, I might disagree with what you do as a person, but if it doesn't affect my job, I'm, I'm like, I don't agree, but that's fine. Right. But this is affecting their job. Right. And and so if you're shortstop, and in this case, he said, you know, I'm not going to do this. You don't think of it, I don't think, as, well, that's that's his right, that's fine. You you think of it as a selfish move, which impacts the team adversely, and unfortunately, in this case, might have spread COVID. So, like, those are things where I think you're right. I think that builds up a, a resentment that might not be, like, totally out there, but it's there in all of these things go back to distractions, and when you're playing a professional sport, like, it takes every ounce of your focus and ability, right? Like, there's no professional sport that, oh, that's simple. 162-game year It is incredibly stressful, I'm sure, to your to what you're saying. Guys want to leave their hotels. They want to go out and have a beer or dinner, and they can't now. There is no way that there is not a resentment that is going to be there and I don't think that there's a thing that Rocco can tell them of you know well he didn't want to do this so because I think players are like to hell with that go do it 
Yeah, I mean, that's where all of us are at right now. We're all, you know, it, it, I, I hope everybody gets vaccinated. You know, I'm very pro-vaccination. Like, I just got vaccinated. I just reached my two weeks. Like, I'm in the clear. Like, I, I'm ready to go do some stuff now after 13 months of, of doing nothing. And I think a lot of people feel like that. I'm sure the players feel like that. And, you know, if I had somebody holding me back from doing that, from doing those yeah, things. would be resentful. Uh, yeah, I would be resentful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. And, and I get like, it's a personal decision whether you want to get the vaccine or not. But like, yeah, I mean, if it means that I, I have to stay in my hotel room instead of go out with my teammates or friends on the road or see my family or, you know, whatever, like, of course. And, and the fact that it, it really is coming down to like, it seems like just a few guys um, who need to get it for, for them to get over this hump. Like, I think it is going to create division. And like with Simmons, yeah, I mean, he, you know, it, it, first of all, I, ho- I hope he's okay. I mean, COVID is not, nothing to mess around with. Like m- my wife is an, a nurse practitioner. Like I've seen, I've heard a lot of stories. Like COVID is, is the real deal. You don't mess around with it. So I hope he's okay, first of all. Sure. But like, I mean, you know, he's very much anti-vax. It's, it's, it's on the, you know, he tweets about it and, um, you know, and so the fact that he was very vocal about not getting the vaccine and, 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 you know, promoting some, you know, potential conspiracy theories and stuff like that on, on social media. And then he's the one who gets it and seems like maybe he brought this in yep. and that it's, to- it's not, un- it's not totally clear whether, you know, he was the root cause there's the, you know, there's some different reporting on maybe there was a couple of different, you know, venues that it got in, but like, I'm sure, you know, behind the scenes, some guys are like, you know, what, what the hell? Like I got vaccinated. We're so close. And that's the thing. Like they just got vaccinated. Right. Like they're so, they're literally like five days away or whatever yep. from being, from reaching Thursday. that two weeks. Yeah. Thursday yeah. this and week, so, they'll reach two weeks. Exactly. And so for this to happen now, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure Simmons is a good teammate. Uh, he's definitely a great player. Um, and, and this is all speculation, but just personally, I, I would be resentful, you know? So um, that's something they're going to have to work through. Speaking of that, to the baseball games themselves, Jake DePew. Yes. Let's, let's start. Rocco in game. Rocco, Rocco, for two years, it feels like, as far as the regular season games go, has pushed the right buttons, made a ton of right moves. I think we've debated some things, but I don't know that there's been any great debates about trends that we thought were. Uh, terrible until the playoffs when he clearly lifts his starter to early in games. But that's been a playoff discussion. I think 14 games into the uh, 2021 campaign, it's fair to say that we have some real discussions about Rocco in-game right now across the board, doing some things that, how, how can I put this as nicely as possible, that are starting to wear thin probably with the media and fan base. Is that a fair way to put it? That's definitely a fair way to put it. So, again, we give this disclaimer every week. I like Rocco. I don't think he should be fired. Um, uh, and I think he's a good manager for dealing with these larger issues. But the in-game stuff, I, I think he's made a lot of mistakes. I really do. Like, this, this pulling starters early thing has gotten so over the top. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs last year. Even in 2019, we saw it. I mean, it, like, there's just been so many examples where he's pulled guys early and and, and it hasn't worked out. Um, you know, the, the Pineda one was obviously a big one. I know you guys have broken that down in, in you can talk podcasts. about it though, because it drove well, me crazy. 88 pitches. I mean, throwing great. You give him the eighth. There's no reason not to. Yeah. I mean, P- Pineda, he, he was what two batters over the minimum, you know, he was pitching outstanding. Uh, they really needed him. The bullpen was a little bit taxed. And like you said, 88 pitches and, he, and he's a big dude, you know, he's durable. Um, 
I think you called him a hoss. He's a hoss. <laughs> he's an old school. He's a hoss, man. Yeah. He's going to yeah. eat innings. Yeah. That's like his life. His life is about that. Eat innings, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just don't get it. And like, like it just felt like it felt like one of those playoffs games where it's like, what, what are you doing here? You, you know, this guy is cruising. He's cr- like, these starters are cruising in a lot of these situations. And, and you can tell that they're frustrated by it. I mean, definitely in the playoffs last year, but Rios was super frustrated and I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I, I, but like, yeah, I mean, you bring in Robles and I get Robles that had been good up to that point, but he, he just completely melts down. And uh, that one bothered me, man, it, it, because it's it's this trend that just never seems to end. You know, and I tweeted this like if he did it in the playoffs and he's obviously going to do it in April, uh, but you're, it, it's going to lead to a, f- a few things. Guys not, you know, starters who are cruising, not pitching as long as they should. Uh, but it's, you know, and that costs you in just those games. But it also leads to a, a more worn down bullpen. You know, um, and and that costs you over the course of a long season. Uh, so so I, I don't understand from that perspective. I don't understand it from like showing confidence in guys, especially younger guys like Barrios, um, and you know e- even Thorpe. Thorpe uh, in the last game they played on Friday, like he, he threw sixty pitches, and you know he was pitching really well. That's probably the best I've ever seen Lewis Thorpe pitch. Like he was doing really well. He he had a borderline call that that could have struck struck out Mike Trout in the fourth, which would have got him through four innings, like almost perfect. Uh, he ended up, I think, giving up a base hit to Trout and then ended up giving up two runs on, on kind of some blue pits. But, like, he was pitching great. Yeah. Like, and there's no reason he shouldn't be built up. Like, if he's not built up, that's on the Twins because he's been at in St. Paul, you know, waiting essentially for, for a starting opportunity. So, like, he should have been built up. Why pull him at 60 pitches in four innings? Like, he's he was pitching great. He really was. Uh, he was, he was. He was spotting really well. Uh, you know, he's getting strikeouts, getting weak contact and they pull him after four uh, and bring in Dobnik. Um, I, I just didn't understand that move. You know, like I, I just continually do not understand this obsession with pulling pitchers so early. And it just seems like it's really by the book. And, and that's why I wonder if this is all Rocco. Uh, like my, uh, my theory is that it's not, I really don't it think it is. It can't be all Rocco. No, no, because the front office, if they were against this, they would tell him like, yeah. you got to leave these guys in longer. The front office is obviously signing off on this and, and maybe giving direct orders to do it this way. And I just disagree with it. Like I get, it's a long season. I get guys aren't as built up because they had the shorter season last year, but you got to let guys who are cruising, you got to let them, I'm not saying go the full nine, but like it, it's continually this pattern of they should go one more inning and they're not. Yeah. You know, should got the eighth. I never said mm-hmm. that he, he should get a complete game. But Pineda should have been sent back out there. And you know what? He scuffles. Take him out. That's fine. There's no rule right. against that. That's what I don't get. But, yeah, there there is a uh, – to go back to your term, and this is what confuses me now because I'm with you. I don't believe – like, it might start with Rocco, but I don't believe it's all Rocco Baldelli. But what confuses me is the term by the book because it's like there is a book, and I don't understand that book. That's what, like – where is the, the, these guys talk about people, right? Like Rocco's there because of people, like he's good with people, which is great. That's fantastic. But it's like, okay, we deal with people um, off the field. We deal with people as best we can. But then when it comes to game management, we deal with what we think is exactly right. And like the, the people part of it goes out the window. Explain that because that's what I don't get. It's like they're really good in dealing with human beings until it gets to about the game. And then it's like, but and and now there's no leeway, wiggle room, 
for for actually saying Michael Pineda's pitching really damn well. You know what? Let's give him the start of the the eighth. And if the first two guys get on, Robles comes in. He's out. It's really weird because you've got you've got guys in lead positions who are very big on people until it gets to, to this mythical book that you're talking about. And then it's like the human element is gone completely. And I don't I can't I can't balance that in my brain how they've come to a conclusion that here's where we draw a line and now it's just about what we think, not what we see. Yeah, and I mean Declan talked about this last week. Like I'm a big analytics guy, just like just like Declan is. Like you should obviously use analytics. It, it should be part of the decision making process. It just shouldn't be the entire decision. Like you have to understand, Judd, to what you were saying last week. Like the biorhythms of the game, just how the game is is kind of going that particular day's game. Um, and it just seems to me like they have their internal analytics that tell them you make this decision at this time, no matter what. And they're just so tied to that process um, and sticking with the process and trusting that process that they're unwilling to be flexible at all there. And, and, and that just, I, to me, the best way to, to manage a team and to make these decisions is a combination of analytics and looking at what you're actually seeing. Like the eye test still matters and, and, and instill, instilling confidence in guys still matters, you know, and, and you're right. They're very good with people generally, but, but, but it does seem like it all goes out the window when it comes to the actual game and they just stick, they're just so rigid in this decision-making uh, in terms of, of pulling guys. And it just, I mean, again, I said this last week, like they're, they're just, it seems like they're never going to change because if they're not going to change in the playoffs, you know, and they're not going to change over a 60 game season, like they're certainly not going to change now. Like it just, this is their process and they're sticking to it no matter what. And I think it's cost them. I think it's cost them in the biggest games of the year in October. And I think it's cost them several games this year. I think it'll cost them players too. I think it's going to cost them players. If I'm Barrios, I I got a lot of questions. Like if my contract's up, I got a lot of questions. Because if I get to the playoffs, and I'm pretty damn good. I mean, I might not be great, but I'm pretty damn good, right? And I know that I could basically throw a no bleeping hitter through six. And you might lift me. I don't want to play for, for your team. I, w- I want to go to a team where I'm empowered. I want to go to a team where, where they're, they're like, Jose, you pitch great for sixth, go out for the seventh, go out for the eighth, do what you do. Um, I got to think that there's going to come a point in time where players start to say, okay, I like you guys, you're successful, but I don't think you've got that next gear. Because that that's what this is. This is the next gear of, of weighing a lot of different things. And it's sort of like the twins try and throw those things out. And they're like, oh, no, no, we got this. Here comes Hansel Robles. And you're like, no, that's not the answer. And I think one of the guys where where this is eventually going to cause friction is Donaldson. Because Donaldson and Rocco are wired very, very differently (laughs) as people. You know, and and we saw it last year. I mean, it, it seemed like based on some of the comments that Donaldson made that like, he was like, okay, I allowed Rocco to give me the day off, you know, but like he wanted to be in the lineup. That's just how he's wired. That's the type of guy he is. And, yep. um, and you could argue, you know, maybe that did cost them because he wasn't available in October um, because of the calf issues. But like, I, I do think at some point, like I think Donaldson's approach is like play every day that you possibly can and go a hundred percent all the time. And, and that just, it, it totally clashes with the, the whole rest and, and recovery mindset of the, of Rocco and the twins. Um, and, and Donaldson's here for four, for the next 
well, it was a four-year deal. Three so years. The next three years. Yeah. Yep. Um, and he's going to become the clubhouse leader once Cruz leaves. I'm sure, you know, he already is one of the leaders. And I just think if this continues to go on at some point, we're going to see some sort of, of, of real conflict, you know, brewing between, between him and, and the organization. Because um, I think more guys are probably wired like Donaldson than, than, than like Rocco. They want to go out there. They want to pitch the extra inning. They want to be in the lineup every day. Um, and you know, when they're, when the approach is working and you're winning a hundred games like 2019 and you know, then it, it's easier to, to do that. But if things start to go South record wise and they're continuing to make these decisions the way they are, I, I think it's going to bubble up. 19 was really laid back though. That's the thing like that. That was Cruz and Cruz did a great job, but I mean, he is a, he is an intense worker, but he's not a wired tight guy, right? Donaldson right. is. So like I, and, and you know, Keep in mind, too, we have not been in the clubhouse now for two years, and we have no idea how that place works now. Like in 19, doing post game and at times going into the target field clubhouse pregame, I could tell you how that worked. Down, uh, um, Cruz's locker right by Sano's, there was an obvious trickle down that worked really well there. Um, some play, I mean, the players had a lot of fun. That was a laid back group. Rocco, live and let live, you know, Rosario, yeah, yeah, you knucklehead. You didn't run out that ball, you knucklehead, run next time. But, you know, I'm not going to bench you, right? Like all of that stuff. I could tell you that. I can no longer tell you, and believe me, I'm sure Josh has changed things. I can no longer tell you that I have any clue of the dynamic now. How, how do Cruz and Josh coexist? Because they're two very different people. Um, how does how does a group of now maturing players like Barrios do they are they still the same? Are they have they changed? I mean, there are a lot of things. And in nineteen, Rocco did a really good job and had the advantage of it was my observation, Jake, that Cruz ran that that clubhouse completely. Like that was his his baby, and Rocco would come in and do stuff. But I mean. Rocco was a smart dude. He said, Nelson, you got this, right? So I think if a guy had to be talked to, Nelson talked to him. If a guy had to be uh, chided a little bit, Nelson took care of, of that. And Rocco would meet with people, but it didn't have to be this overbearing my way or the hi highway type of discussion at the time. That has changed, I'm sure, with Josh. And so we now don't know, like, does the, hey, everybody, let's all take a nap. Does that still work? Or does Josh say, bleep you, let's go work, or I'm playing? Like, there are a ton of dynamics uh, that we don't know that could have fundamentally changed so, sort of this team's demeanor and how they operate now. Yeah, and that's what sucks about not being able to get into the clubhouse. Um, you guys obviously cover way more games than me. I, you know, I covered 10 games. Yeah, maybe but it's in all Zoom. It's right, all but Zoom. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like in 2019, even just the few games that I covered, like it, it was very clear, like, no, like you said, Nelly Cruz and then Marwin, I think Marwin yeah. Gonzalez was a big leader in there too. Uh, and it was all, it was all just very kind of kumbaya. Like everybody was, was laughing having a good time. It was very laid back. And that's easy to do when you're winning a hundred plus games too, you know? So that plays into it as well. But like, yeah, now we have no clue. We have no idea. And I, and I don't know when media is going to be let back in. Uh, you know, if you're vaccinated to me, it's like, you should, <laughs> 
why shouldn't you be able to go in the clubhouse? Uh, but that's a whole separate discussion. Um, fans don't really care about that, but it does, it, it limits the, what we know and, and what media can report, you know, like zoom doesn't tell you anything, you know? Um, so it's just, we're severely restricted uh, in terms of knowing what's actually going on. Um, and I, I imagine it probably is different because I think Donaldson's such a, a you know, a, a, an overwhelming personality. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I like Donaldson, but like you said, alpha. he's very different. He's an alpha. He's alpha. He's yeah. an alpha. He's an alpha. And, and Nelson Cruz doesn't, doesn't seem like he's like that in the same way. Um, he, he's a, more of a quiet type of leader. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 that, that personality clashes with Rocco. And, and, um, again, if the season goes south, some interesting things could happen. Byron Buxton, my good man. What do we make of Byron Buxton, who who got off to, to a great start? Missed what? He missed um, he missed parts of three games. I, I think one full game because of an issue with a stomach bug or food poisoning. Don't know which. Uh, he comes back, hits the crap out of the baseball, hurts his hamstring. I believe after we we had recorded our last talking twins last Monday. I think it was Tuesday. Or Wednesday, he's going down the line. And for the second time, because it, it, I think it happened mm-hmm. as we recorded when they were in Detroit, he sort of trotted. And I thought, okay, he's just going to be out, so he is not going to try and uh, go full speed. Well, it turns out he's got a, a hamstring. He was, and I will air quote this, he was in the lineup on Saturday uh, to return. But, of course, they knew it the whole time that they almost certainly weren't going to play I mean, where do we land here? What do you do every time you think to yourself, oh, my God, this is it. Like, this is we've been waiting years. This is going to be the year. It's a hamstring. It's a, a, a sick, you know, uh, food poisoning, runs into a wall, uh, gets a concussion diving, gets hit by a ball in the head, uh, gets in a collision. I don't know. It's maddening as a sports fan and baseball fan that wants to watch this guy play on a daily basis. Selfishly, because I think it's so much damn fun, that we are always, Jake DePew, coming back to this discussion, which is, what do you make of this entire thing? Yeah, man. I mean, it this just it just sucks. Like, it does. It, 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 and and I, will, I have to give you credit. You know, you did tweet, tweet about that, that he was running, you know, kind of awkwardly down the line, and um, nobody else really picked up on that, or at least that I saw. But... Um, I just, unfortunately, it's impossible based on all the evidence in, you know, over the last five years to, to trust that he's going to stay healthy. I mean, it's just, I mean, and I hate saying that because I'm the biggest bucks and apologist in the world. Yeah. Um, he, I, I love watching the guy. I think he's, I think he's got a great personality. Like he, he's a superstar when he plays, but like, I mean, he's, he's missed now what 40% or so of their games due to injury or illness. And um, if he's having hamstring issues, which is something he's never had, I don't think in the past, uh, that's a huge problem for him because obviously he relies so much on his speed. Uh, So I, I I think we basically have to take the approach with Buxton of enjoy him while he's on the field because you never know when something's going to come up and he's going to miss a few days or they say he's going to miss a few days and that turns into an IL stint. And then they say it's only going to be 10 days and that turns into three weeks. Like right. that's just the pattern with him. And it sucks. I, I feel bad, badly for the guy, honestly. Um, I don't know how much of this is actually an injury, this hamstring and how much of it is the the rest and recovery aspect and making sure guys are completely a hundred percent before you put them back out there. 
Um, I think the cold weather probably had something to do with them not playing him in Minnesota, although they didn't play him in the Friday night game in Southern California either. So right. I, I, I don't know where to go with this. I and mean, we've been talking about this for so long and it's so it's frustrating as a, a follower of the twins, as a pseudo media person as someone who's followed bucks his whole career just like, as a fan i just want to see yeah I just like if he played the for the play. mets i'd still want to see you know like yeah. i don't care where he plays i i as a fan he is he is someone to watch yeah i mean he's like he's take honestly, your home runs and shove them i want to watch byron buxton play he's like a top five most exciting guy in baseball like he's right up there to me with like otani and uh you know in terms of entertainment value because yes. he does everything um so hopefully, I mean, how many times have we said this, but hopefully it's a mild thing and he'll be back, but I, I, you just can't trust it at this point. You just can't. Can I give you so. my my one meltdown about this entire thing, too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. It's not Buxton. He's just hurt all the time. Like, I don't fault anybody now because I've never for one day thought Byron Buxton doesn't want to play. Byron Buxton wants to play. I don't know yes. how he just gets hurt all the time. but. As the winter progressed into spring, there was a guy on the market, and I was mocked by a few people for saying this. He's now with the Brewers, Jackie Bradley Jr. And I said, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been on the market for a long time, and I'm not saying he's the perfect player, but he can play. And if Byron Buxton is my center fielder, and I'm supposed to be a good team, which the Twins are, Jackie Bradley Jr. intrigues me because... He can play left field. He can play center when Byron's hurt. And I got laughed at by a few folks who were like, they're not going to, that's too expensive. They're not going to do that. Now he signed with Milwaukee. So it was, it was doable. But the other thing that gets me is this. Knowing what you know, Jake DePew, about Byron Buxton's health, Jake Cave can't be the option. That's the meltdown. Jake Cave. So, you know what? I personally would have called Bradley. I don't know if they did or not. But I would have had a backup plan. And it can't be Jake Cave. Like, this does... Divin' Jake's not the guy. Like, Divin' Jake is... If he is in your dugout, I guess that's fine. And if he plays once in a while, I guess that's fine. I've seen worse. But when you know what you know about your center fielder's injury history... How is this the guy who has to play all the time? Like, how is this now allowed as being, uh, oh, that's okay, Jake Cave has it? No, he doesn't. No. Why? Why is he the guy? Why do you not have an option behind Byron? Because, like, if you went and talked to a potential backup to Buxton, the sale's not hard. You use the old Google to call up baseball reference, Buxton Byron, baseball reference. Here's his games played. Guess what, dude? You're going to play, okay? And we can play you in left field sometimes, too. Or right field. I don't give a crap where he plays. But how is Jake Cave continually the option? Like, you're married to Jake Cave. File for divorce. Irreconcilable (laughs) diving differences. Like, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I don't know. It's driving me crazy. You're running him out there like he's good? So, as as far as Jackie Bradley Jr., um, I, I mean, I'm with you. He's a great player, and he would be a great you know insurance policy for Buxton. I think it's a tough sell to get Jackie Bradley Jr. to come to Minnesota when you're saying you're, you're only going to play 
80, 90 games a year in center field uh, because we have Buxton. Like, why why would he do that if he can get... But they've got to, Kane. To, the Brewers have, have to, Kane. Kane's a good player. Yep, yep. I, I can play him in yep. left, too. It's another yeah, center I, fielder. But the Twins, the Twins boast about their outfield depth all the time, which, by the way, I have a rant I want to get into about that. Um, good. But, yes, as far as Jake Cave, uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, he, he's he's been a fine fourth outfielder, but yeah, I mean he he's not been good this year at all, uh, and, and he is not the answer as an everyday guy, and it it, it is ridiculous that he is is playing every day. I mean, it, it, because so so let me just get into the outfield rant, right? They boasted about their outfield depth for so long, right? Well, <clears throat> they traded away all of these guys, so. In terms of depth options, they had Lamont Wade, who I personally would rather have out there than Jake Cave. He's not as good an athlete, but he's, to me, a much smarter player and takes better at-bats. Yeah. They traded him to the Giants for uh, a quad-A reliever. They traded away Luke Rayleigh, who's now starting, uh, or at least in this last series against San Diego, That's starting it. for the best team in baseball, the Dodgers. He was in left field at Petco they, yesterday. They got, they got rid of him. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't protect Akil Badu. In the Rule 5 draft, they just had to give him a 40-man spot, not even a 25 or 26-man roster spot, just a 40-man spot. They let him go, and he's now the story of baseball in the first month, right? So, like, they let a bunch of these good depth options go, and now, because they won't call up Kirloff, because they're suppressing his service time, in my opinion, um, they're left with Jake Cave, uh, you know, and, and Kyle Garlick, who's now now is COVID, and, and Brent Rooker as their options. Um, it, it, you know, so yes, whether it was signing somebody like Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, or just holding on to some of these depth guys and, and Jalen Davis, by the way, is another, I forgot about Jalen Davis. They traded him, uh, and he got playing time for the giants. I'm not saying these guys are everyday players, but they're solid contributors who, who could fill the gap, uh, or, or fill in until Buxton gets healthy from his various injuries and yep. until Kirilov finally comes up and they got rid of all of them. They got rid of all of them. And so now this team that last year had maybe the strongest outfield depth in baseball is desperately searching for options to plug in. I mean, they're going to have to call up Gilberto Celestino soon because they don't have anybody else. Uh, so it, it, I don't think they handled that well. You can't start a season in 2021. You cannot start a year with Byron Buxton um, and and not have a backup who is basically a 1B. Well, and so they have got to have a Brock. 1B. You know that. Like, right. You know that. So they have Keon Broxton. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the level of Jackie Bradley Jr. Obviously, they signed him to a minor league deal. But he is a guy he's in who, Paul. yeah, and he profiles similar to Buxton in the sense that he has power and speed. He had a 2020 season a couple of years ago, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Uh, he looked really good to me in spring training. He's got a lot of major league experience. Yeah. I would rather have him out there than Jake Cave. Yeah. I don't understand why he's not even – he wasn't even on the taxi squad for this trip. I don't understand why they're not giving him a shot to, to play because – Jake Cave is not getting it done right now. They're not going to call up uh, uh, Kirloff or, or Larnick, who's not even on the When's 49. Kirloff going to come up now? So I think I think it's the, actually April 20th. Okay, the, um, date, the date I originally saw was April 16th. I know, and, and that... So, Which I think uh, Joe Jeremy, had. Yeah, well, so, so Jeremy Nygaard, um, who's actually... Re- he's really good with these roster things. He tweeted out that it was... April, I think April 21st, because you have to have, they have to be down for 20 days. Okay. If you option a guy, they have to be down for 20 days or they get retroactive service time. I think that's what he said. Okay. So that um, would be different. Okay. 
So I think it's April 21st, although he got one day of service time as the 27th man. So I think actually the date might be April 22nd. I'm not 100% on that, but it's somewhere right in that range. So it's basically the next homestand. They can call him up. But like to me, my opinion is they're like they're not even pretending they're they're not suppressing his service time. When you start him in a playoff game and then bring him up as the 27th man at the doubleheader, like, come on. Like, just call, let's just call it what it is here. And I know they can't do that because – um, without because of grievances, but I, I hope Gearlaw files a grievance and, and wins. Um, yeah, but like bring him up. It, like you're in a you're in desperate straits now here, man. Right. That's and if thing. you want to, yes. And if you want to send him down for five days later in the season to to make sure that he doesn't have the full accrue the full year of service time, you know, do what you got to do, I guess. But like they're they're desperate. They need outfielders. Garlic's now down with COVID. Um, you got to call these guys up, man. Once, Buck- you, like, they- once Buxton's hurt, though, like you don't have time to screw around now. Yeah, like, and the only guy- like the- I get it when it, it's Buxton Kepler who is not off to a good good start, of course. But when it's Buxton Kepler, and you're like, okay, we'll make things up in left for now. I don't like that, but I guess I sort of get that one. But when Buxton goes out like this, the wiggle room to screw around is gone. Like yeah. you need to take this seriously. Yeah, and, and and obviously Kirilov can't play play center, um, but Keon Broxton can. He's a, he's a career center fielder. He's yeah. a great defender. Like I'm not saying sign the guy to a lucrative extension, but give him some playing time. He's got a he's got a track record. Uh, uh, you know, like l- let's see what he can do. Um, because again, Jake Cave, he just hasn't been good. But to come full circle, you just you just touched on why I'm so confused. They treat Jake Cave like a loyal employee would want to be treated. Like, they treat him really well. It's almost like, you've done a lot of good stuff here. You're a good team guy. You're not the best player, but we're going to play you because you deserve that. Okay. I don't like that, but I get it. But then they flip and say, Michael Pineda, you pitch great. You're gone so we can protect you from yourself. Like, this is the thing is, like... I don't understand that. Pineda, if you're going to take a risk, keep Pineda in that game and and you're and if you allow him to continue pitching and he's pitching well, you are treating him like a person then. This is where I get really confused. Like where's the book where where does it begin and where does the book end? Because as far as the people person skills go, Jake Cave gets treated really well. Really Michael does. Pineda and Barrios get their butts yanked. When they shouldn't, and they don't want to. This that that's where I'm trying to. I don't the book of Rocco and Derek and Thad, like the Bible here. I don't understand the Bible, a baseball here, the Twins Bible. I don't get it. I don't get what you're doing. It doesn't make sense. Like if you treated everyone well across the board, and you know what, Jose Barrios, it's early, but you have electric stuff in Milwaukee. Now we ain't letting you throw 120. You know that's not going to happen. But we're going to send you back out there to get to 95. Okay, I get that. But do you see my confusion here? Like across the board, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Like if you are going to if you are going to lift Barrios from the game against the Brewers or Pineda from the game against the Red Sox, then Jake Cave should never be rewarded for just being a good guy. You should have somebody up here who's playing, who gives you the best chance to win because your pitching move was predicated on you saying this flat out gives us the best chance. They were wrong, but that's what they thought. This is yeah, where it I all mean, gets I, very convoluted. It, it it does, and I I don't. You're right. They they treat Cave like he's like he's like a ten year vet. You know, like he's a long lost his, son. 
Yeah. And, and, and the reality is his numbers are not good. Uh, and he has an option. You know, it, it, he's not out of options. You know, you could send the guy down to St. Paul. Um, so it's very, it's very strange to me. It's very, I, I don't get the cave dynamic and you're right. It, it, it's, it's, it compared to how they treat their pitchers. Um, it, it's, it's bizarre. I don't understand. I, I have no explanation for it. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it's the right move. Like that's all. like, and again, we're not advocating throwing 120 pitches no. with these guys. It's one more inning. Yes. They've consistently pulled guys one inning too yes. early. In my opinion, uh, they didn't again, they did it in the playoffs. Uh, you know, these guys are not close to a hundred pitches. Pineda had 88 pitches, like send him out there and you could have a guy warming up, right? That's what I understand. Yes, it's not that's like what I said. you have yes. to pitch the have a guy warming up. If he allows a base runner, then you pull him. But at least give a guy who's cruising, yep. cruising a chance and save your bullpen. For as much as they talk about rest and recovery, they're working the hell out of the bullpen early because they're they're pulling these starters so early. All right. I think we have ranted enough for this week. Hopefully the Twins get back in action, play some games, and win so we don't have to rant next week. Yeah, I mean, let me just say that that – as as bad as things seem right now, we're 14 games in the season. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, you no, know, I'm with you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's the equivalent. I, I think we're like, it's the equivalent of playing like one NFL game, basically in terms of the percentage of the season that's been played. So like, yep. um, we, we do need to take a step back because we're all guilty of that at times. Uh, but but it hasn't been good. The, the, the COVID stuff um, is obviously, you know, that's, you know, based more or less out of their control. And, and certainly the, the postponements with everything going on in Minneapolis is out of their control, but, um, but yeah, the, the, the in-game stuff, uh, uh, they've had so many crushing losses that, I mean, we don't even talk about like their losses. These aren't ordinary losses. They're not losing like six to two. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like, it comes down to one at bat or one big decision and they've consistently not gotten it done. I mean, this is a team that should be, uh, you know, they're six and eight. They should be at least eight and six or, or nine and five. Their run differential suggests that they should be more along those lines. And so that does, to me, point to uh, managerial decisions. And again, whatever role the front office is playing, you know, uh, they're they're involved in that too. Um, so let's let's hope they get back on the field, uh, and let's hope we see some some changes uh, in terms of letting these starters. Yeah, pitch leave longer. pitchers in, Rocco. That's that's yeah. the lesson from today. The book of twins. Leave pitchers in. Thanks, yeah. Jake DePew. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys.